0: hey everyone welcome to Latchkey Urchins and Friends podcast I'm Allison Sabula, and I'm Anne Sherry welcome everyone And first of all we just want to say thank you to everyone who tuned into our first three episodes of the podcast so far um, we just launched last week and it's been super exciting to um, to go live um, super unexpected and was Anne was saying Oh
1: Irma er, Gerd um. <laughs> I, to be honest, Allison, <laughs> the way that like, I really am embodying, I think the neglected experience and, yeah. you know, how I used to just get up to shit, like recording, I don't know, making album, you know, on cassette tapes and all that. And I'm like, eh, we're just playing. We're just pretending. Right. And you're like, no, it's real. It's going out. And <laughs> I was like, Oh shit.
0: I didn't so, warm you up for yeah. it either. No. Cuz no. For our listeners, yeah. um we basically yeah. actually started the brainstorming process, I think probably January is when we started brainstorming yeah. the podcast and putting together what we wanted to do. Then we started recording interviews like in May. And um and then, you know, now we were starting to actually produce the episodes and, and put, make them live. But I just sort of threw us, threw us in. I was like, Hey, What's we're what going, I we're going ad- live.
1: Adore <laughs> about you. You're like my, you're the friend from childhood. That's like, no, we're actually going to do this. We're not just going to talk about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. So, um, you guys terrify me because you, you, you make me be seen in the world. And I, you know, I didn't, um realize that part of me was that, uh, not that it's not, is it ready? I don't know. It's, it's just, um, an interesting sensation to actually put yourself out there. So, um, yeah, it makes you vulnerable, right. To like people saying stupid shit or well, stupid oh, shit, yeah. I stupid shit or whatever. We've, yeah. We already um, had yeah. one,
0: one troll on Instagram. Which is super surprising to me. I'm actually like in I you know, all do the not show me
1: the trolls. Okay. <laughs> I will not look.
0: Don't look. You don't need to look. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm just like, I know this is I a know, human being need, and I yes. want to respect and have compassion I, and empathy for all humans. Yeah. But I can't, I'm just gonna not engage. I just yeah. literally cannot.
1: I think that's the 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 wisdom around that. So um yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um Anyways. But we've also had people leaving comments like content suggestions. Yeah. Um, you know, I had a friend reach out and tell me his own latchkey meal. Oh which... my God.
1: I am like dying at some of the, the <laughs> stories and people that lived through the, the, the pool days with me who lived through that with me are co- contacting me and like connecting. actually lived it
0: through. Oh, with yeah, you that we're at the pool,
1: yeah. Some <laughs> one of, one of the, person's had just uh, the funniest story about her getting lunch, you know, where her mom basically is like screeching into the pool parking lot, honking the horn and just throwing the lunch (laughs) over the fence and driving away. You know, what was
0: the mom speeding off for? Like the mom didn't even have like three minutes
1: to No, God, no, not then. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't, I don't know what it was, you know, at that. Well, I do know what it was. We were, it was just that it was the seventies neglect. That's how kids, that's how we did it. A lot of us did it, you know? Yeah.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. Like for me, what I've had to do a lot of healing work around, um, and this is a good segue to announcing our, um, our interview, with our guest that we did, but I had to do a lot of grief work around the contempt that I don't, like I said, it's not, it's not that I want to throw my parents under the bus. It's not that I want to blame them. It's, it's not their fault. They didn't invent contempt. They didn't invent neglect. They didn't. They, well, they didn't invent
1: structural,
0: like no. not
1: this, whatever this structure we're living in that, um, that works for America somehow and exactly. maybe other countries, um, exactly. but it's really particular to, um, this culture for Exactly.
0: Sure. And yeah. so, but the, just the, the, Overall feeling in my family around care. And even having children or having a family was just such contempt. Like what yeah. you need my attention again. You need right. me to make you a meal again. You want me to come yeah. play with you again? You want you forgot your lunch I, and you need me to bring it to school. How dare you? I mean I that's work just... with
1: people all the time who like come into my office and beat the shit out of themselves because they don't know how to play with their kids. Like, oh yeah. How, how are you? I mean, or or they're exhausted or they're overwhelmed or they don't get it you know it's like I don't know how to play with my kid and they're like something's wrong with me I'm like nothing's wrong with you you just who showed you you know if you don't have this sort of embodied felt sense it's either comes across as this like uh uh I don't know uh overly like by the book type play which also you know it's this kind of, I should, you know, I should color with my kid this amount of time. I should be doing this. Oh, sure, I mean, sure, you're sure. getting it from a book and there's a level of inauthenticity. It's good. Kids I'm can sure tell
0: too. Kids can yeah, absolutely tell if you want to be there or not.
1: Well, and my heart goes out to all of us. Yes. Um, I'll just uh, full full disclosure here. I just had therapy. So I've got some really <laughs> <laughs> my own therapy. So I've got a lot of love and compassion for how our poor little systems organize themselves around um, not feeling loved or not feeling valued or not feeling um, like they matter or priority. And it, we're amazing beings. We're just amazing. So I do want listeners this this is a um we are here to normalize anxiety, depression, intense critics. Um and also that that doesn't have to be the that, that's not who you are. <laughs> it's just your poor little system trying to survive in this world. So um
0: very well said. There's a film. And I can't, I'm not finding it. So I'm going to post it in the show notes about a yeah. couple. We just screened it at work and mm-hmm. it's, there's like a bunch of great ACEs adverse childhood experiences documentaries. And I can't, I'm not finding it. Um, exactly, but it's one where there's like a couple and it's two parents and the mom, inherited so much trauma from childhood that she's not, she's not able to be loving towards her kids. And it's very severe and it's a documentary. So it's the actual parents and it's their actual kids. It's a very brave film. Like I really commend this couple for, um, for being willing to be shown in such, in such a way, because it's really kind of disturbing when you see the mom, you know, like she actually gets up, makes breakfast and comes and sits down in the living room with her son. And her son needs way too much than she can give. And she just gets up and goes in a room and shuts the door on him. He's like four years old. Oh, I've heard it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So that mom deserves enormous amounts of compassion. So Um, much. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I think that the filmmaker gives it to her, which is really nice. And I'm sure that all parents can relate to moments like that in some way or another. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it really is just like, can you do your own? Yeah, healing work so that you so that you are available sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just gonna say like the internal family systems
1: that I go on and on about it is one of the ways that absolutely can heal these parts and bring compassion so everybody. Google emotional neglect, Google internal family Actually, you'll put it in the show notes, right? I'll you're put it in the show notes. And yeah. I actually
0: made a yeah. video last year on how to how to use um the psychology today website to find a therapist. So I'll put that yeah. in the show notes as well. Um, because some people don't realize that that exists and that you can just kind of put in a couple terms and find the perfect therapist for you. Yeah. So yeah, um, I'll put that Very there. Cool. So yeah. um yeah, do you um I feel like we're not having a, we, we, we got, we're getting a little heavy, Allison. (laughs) Well, we We need, we need your laughter. I know, I know. Okay. What I wanted to say, you know, um, in regards to launching the podcast, which is, you know, we're kind of saying like, oh, it's like a mental health podcast with humor is like Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, this stuff is actually heavy. You know, like when my friend texted me and said, oh, I loved your podcast. He goes, it's helping me look at the fact that when I would wander around for two hours after school and then I would come home and my mom didn't even care that, you know, whether I was alive or not, that's heavy. Yes. Yep.
1: Oh, (laughs) believe me. If, if there aren't tears and somebody holding space for you and a place for these little, uh, stuck parts of you, um, for someone to witness them, they it's to feel the, you know, a lot of this is like, I
0: just, uh,
1: there wasn't any space to feel, especially if you're a big feeler, you got to put that shit away. And that's a lot about what we talk about that, that, that it's uh, here. I have feel like I've done a fair amount of work so I can be with the funniness and the resiliency. Like even in my own therapy today, I got to this place of, um, God, just remembering the freedom of being this dirty ass child on my bike, going like (laughs) 700 miles down a hill, no shirt on. I'm probably seven, probably like even starting to develop boobs a little. I mean, I I don't think I wore a shirt for until some kid was like, ah, that girl's naked. And I was like, I'm naked. But until somebody told me, I was like, you know, just tight, like jeans. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> sweaty. And just, I mean, like freaking Tatum O'Neill and bad news bears. I think I was that kid, but there was just a lot of freedom and resiliency and aliveness in that too. Um, so I appreciate that there's room for, to there, there's a ton of resilience around this. And I think Janice Webb does talk about that. It's not like, but in adulthood, it can look a lot like depression, anxiety, right. and criticism. I'm not enough. You're not good enough. So if you find yourself with the, that tape and that narrative running through, I guarantee you, even if your parents were like right there at the ready all the time, there's probably some level of emotional, neglect. emotional
0: neglect. neglect. Yeah. Healings. Yes. And, um, but you are right. Um, that on the other side of the healing is a lot of humor. Mm-hmm. Like it really, because we just, I think we would just die without it. But, um, I wanted to at least kind of maybe talk for just a couple of minutes before we, we play the interview about maybe like current events or anything you're watching or listening to, um, sex
1: education on Netflix.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Oh, is that what you're asking?
0: (laughs) No, you just had one. What is it?
1: God, sex education on Netflix. Tom and I were talking, Tom, my husband, we were like, holy shit. What would life would have been like if all this Uh, shit was talked about?
0: Like we need, what what would life have been like? uh,
1: You wouldn't have had like shame. There wouldn't have been so much shame about like getting your period or having sex or (laughs) um, using protection or. um, Right being, uh, being gay. I mean, we knew who was gay somewhat in our high school, but it was no room for that. You were boys and you were girls and you were burnouts and you were the in crowd. I mean, so compartmentalized. And in this, there's just like, it's just so free with what they wear, who they love, um, the sex they get up to. Um, I, I don't know.
0: Is it a documentary style or is it? No,
1: it's Jillian Anderson. Okay, is the she's a sex therapist and oh. she's the main character. Oh, I did she see that. Helps out this. the school. Oh, oh, is it like an English show? Her son and her is son. also yes. Or something. Okay. Yes, and and her son and another character like provide like basically sex um, sex counseling yeah. for sex kids counseling. in the school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is brilliant. Got it. So I mean, just you can do and be and wear. I mean, it was so tight. In my high school, um, yeah.
2: So, what do you mean by and that? You did,
1: well, just who was you? Just did that. You you like just belong to this group or this group? And you, if you're a girl, you like boys.
2: <laughs> if you're oh, a boy, yeah, you yeah. like
1: girls. I mean, it yeah. was like it was so weird, and pretty much like, um, also by race and class, we kind of hung out as well. Like,
0: well, I think like what Alex was talking about in episode three last week was like the social media has really helped different um, people within, like, especially he, he can speak especially well to the LGBTQI plus space, all these different people with different gender and sexual identities, having a place he's, his research was on Tumblr to like connect with people and like feel this identity that like you said, isn't as, isn't as narrow of, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I can mm. be who I am. And it's, there's, there's a community for me online. It's just been remarkable. Yeah,
1: it is remarkable. Yeah. Just the shame around bodies. Jeez. Oh God. You know? oh yeah. God. We need a whole episode <laughs> on tell us, tell us how you found out about sex hitting puberty.
0: Also there's if a whole, if you grew up
1: in the seventies and eighties or whatever. Yeah.
0: There's that, yeah. there's a, a conversation I've been having online, uh, with some girlfriends around, um, what, what age did you get the diet talk? And what I've realized it's only girls. It was only the boys I know didn't get the diet talk of like, you need to always be on a diet. You need to be skinny and thin. I was, I think I was 10. I think I was 10.
1: Oh, I can remember my mom. Yeah. I used to swim. And so I could eat 8,000 Billion calories a day. I was a competitive swimmer, and then I quit, and I kept eating like bags of Snickers. And she's like, "You're gonna get fat." And I'm like, "Do you? Are you even curious why I need bags of sugar to feel?" Yeah, she was
0: She couldn't. She could no. not hold space for that.
1: No. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, sugar, our friend. Um, yeah. Well, I Wait, the- I took us on a tangent, but yes, yeah, sex education. Oh <laughs> yeah. Like,
0: yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to share, um, that like right now in the news cycle, it's been so much about the Gabby Petito murder. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. And
0: then there's this whole other conversation around, like, uh, what about all the indigenous missing and murdered women in Wyoming? And, um, and it's just gotten me kind of thinking like, um, absolutely the media is obsessed with, with white women going missing, but it has to be like a particular it has to be a particular slant like yeah. uh here here in my home home area where i live central coast of california we had another one just like this happened recently where um this guy this couple owned a surf camp in santa barbara and the guy was convinced that his children were reptilians so we took them down to mexico i saw that oh and, Allison, yeah. La
1: la 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 <laughs> la la la
0: god and yes. um And I think like the captivating part about both that story and the Gabby Petito story is that there's these core pieces of imagined american cultural identity around like the the dream of having your own business or the dream of of living the van life because the van life is like the new american dream. I don't right. think it's just that she was white. You know, I think it's also like they wanted to be influencers, which is so yes. 2021. They were yes. starting a YouTube channel, yes. they were living the dream, they were visiting the national parks. Right. Um As well as like the surf camp thing being like, oh, like they walked away from their desk. They started their own business. They have, you know, they have this sovereignty over their lives. It's, it's like messing with that identity uh, that, that accepted American identity or that idealized identity. And it's like, oh, American dream gone wrong. I think that's, you know what I mean? That's Mm -hmm. what I'm really feeling.
1: Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I mean, we do have to say, I, I, there's a certain visibility to, um, that, right? like we're we like that visibility. white, pretty girls, <laughs> like a handsome family, yes, um handsome white family that's, yes. you know, figuring it out and and we see none of the shadow underneath and, Um, Uh,
0: that's a good
1: point. So I don't know. We just have to, we got to get way more comfortable with shadow.
0: Okay. I wanted to say one more thing about, uh, the, the new, the media and these high profile murder cases, which is that I've kind of noticed that the sensationalism of the media tends to focus on like the fact that this surf instructor guy was really into QAnon, which, um, which is interesting because I'm like, well it sounds like maybe he was maybe, and I'm not, I am not going to diagnose, but just based on some of the stuff he was saying that he may have been suffering from schizophrenia or some other delusional, wow. right. Right. If you believe that your that kids are reptiles, that's you're no longer in, in reality. And of course, mm-hmm. I'm sure that the media doesn't want to, um, um, I I'm sure that the media doesn't want to stigmatize, so they're not going to use the word schizophrenia, but then I also just, it feels like we don't get to have these, these really good conversations about mental illness. If the media just avoids it to prevent, because of course not every schizophrenic person is violent. And so you don't want to, you don't want to say like, oh, this happened because of mental illness. That's terrible. But I just feel like we're, we're missing because they keep saying like, oh, QAnon, QAnon, QAnon. And I'm like, can we talk about mental health? Right. 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 Well, and just the, the layers
1: and the complexity of it and the stay in again, that like, what is it that keeps us from being in relationship? We just want to other, right. We're always othering. That's the problem in like equity stuff is like, we're othering, you know? Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And like, I mean, just all the adages there, but for the grace of God, go, I walk a mile in someone else's shoes. There's like. Ugh, like and I can feel it. It's like it's too complex. I just need to put this in a box and walk away because I am (laughs) just trying not to um I don't just trying to figure just day-to-day shit out. Just live your life. And we're being we're being bombarded too. There's a that's a whole nother thing, anyways. That like every single second is full with distractions, it seems like, and and that's covering up. I think, um, like Edvard Monk's Scream. Do you mm-hmm. know the Scream? Oh, love <laughs> I it! I think that's what's actually happening under any neglected soul. Yeah, it's a scream in a vacuum.
0: Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> we have all
1: this activity trying to bring attention to that, and it's really hard to hear. So you're getting a little insight into my uh, my process <laughs> today.
0: Yeah. Well, yes. I mean, yeah, the Scream one. He's one yeah. of my favorite painters. Just, I think just cause my, my family is Norwegian, my, my ancestral part of my ancestral family. And it's so interesting when you think of um, how, you know, like Trump said that thing about how come, you know, blah, 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 shithole countries. How come people don't come from Norway, but people were leaving Norway and they were leaving Norway during that time of monk doing those paintings. And so life was really brutal in Europe. And that's why the United States was, was settled. And um, that's a point that my, my boss always makes about people were fleeing Europe for some terrible, terrible, terrible reasons, such violence and persecution. So yeah.
1: Much violence so much
0: yeah Yeah. and that after
1: generations certainly leads to leads to i think um just a a whole like this uh invisible wave of uh, a heat wave almost of neglect you know mm -hmm. um it's really scary to actually connect to people so
0: so um
1: did we just record a whole nother episode we'll be (laughs) releasing this one
0: So this is why we interviewed and I'll let yeah. you, um, I'll let you introduce Connie.
1: It seems like this climate crisis we're in might be, uh, some of the loudest information we're getting about being, um, a disconnected uh, I'll say America, but other countries are too. Um, although I think that we do a lot of the damage. Um, so we wanted to have, a, a, a someone who's actively working in this field, um, her name is Connie Burns will be our guest. Um, And uh, she, so I'll introduce her a bit. Uh, Connie Burns, she's been counseling and connecting with people over 30 years. Connie Burns is a body centered psychotherapist who specializes in body and trauma therapies. She has a passion for teaching people how to connect with their relationships, uh, relationships with their own bodies, other people, and the natural world. Connie was urged to act on her strong convictions about the current division and conflict happening in Western culture, as well as the imminent threat of climate change. Um, So she's joining us today to help us understand how um, uh, cultural neglect, childhood emotional neglect um, are are having impacts on on climate and and ways maybe we're not feel like we're able to address it. What makes us check out. Um, And here she is. Hi, Connie. Hello.
0: Hi, welcome. (laughs) Hi, Allison. Hi, Allison. Nice to meet you. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for joining. I was listening to a little bit of your other podcast and I'm really excited to get to talk to you today.
2: Great. (sighs) Well,
1: We just kind of, Connie, we're just, there's some winging aspect of this.
2: Okay. <laughs> we have that general fun.
1: framework and, and just, we like it to feel pretty relatable and it's not really super duper scripted, but I think some of the stuff Alice and I were discussing were just, oh, how do we getting your, your insights, um, well, on, what, yeah,
0: what inspired you to get yeah. into this work?
2: My own personal grief about. <laughs> climate change really um yeah I was doing a lot of work in co-counseling around this Mm -hmm. and I was in a women's group I'd been in for a decade and a half and one of the Mm -hmm. other women said you know I really feel like I need to do some grief work around climate would you sit with me and as we talked about it I said well let's do a circle and so we started a group and then another young woman um who's uh been really involved in climate group, kind of joined the group. And then she connected me with, um, the creation care Alliance here in Asheville
1: mm-hmm.
2: and then a group of us, therapists and pastors came together to create this format of a circle to take people through.
0: What did you say cre- creation care?
2: What did you say? Creation care Alliance. It kind of
0: just gives me goosebumps because we, like, that sounds Uh like so much more care than I have in my life. (laughs) Creation
2: care. I'm just like, oh my
0: gosh, I want to just bathe in that.
2: (laughs) Wonderful. Um, Yeah. 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 And, And part of the other part that motivated me is that thing you're naming that how in the world can we face into an existential crisis like the climate crisis that is an ongoing threat that's not going to be over in our lifetime even if we really begin to seriously address it um and we have to have connection we have Mm -hmm. to have support we have to have places where we can go and be held in our grief, in our love, in our passion for this work with other people. We can't do this alone. And there's so much that I think as white people anyway, in white supremacy culture that we've been sort of taught, we need to do alone. It's, it's all individual. Mm. And that's such, for me, that's one of the foundational miss, misses, Right. Of the culture. It's really
0: hurting us.
2: Yes. Yeah. It's damaging us.
0: Yes.
1: And I, I I think of it on these levels. So like, it's, sometimes it feels like a certain amount of the, the, the strategy has been a certain amount of therapy brings you to enough connection internally. Right. And then it's like, Oh, where do I take this connection? You know, like you do get this natural being let out, but that shit takes a long time. I don't think (laughs) I mean, you know, the right. trauma-based therapies and all that's coming online quicker and quicker, certainly way faster than what was going on in the eighties when right. I started, but right. I, I think we've talked about that. Um, but how to like address this, but not be in a rush and trust and, you know, but not use that characteristic of white supremacy culture, which is, uh, action items, and urgency, doing, like, urgency. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes. It's, it's a weird thing to have that, um, polarization of we need to act, but we got, we can't act if we're, if there really isn't care, if it's more, yeah, just do this thing. Yeah. And just,
2: and how do we have the faith if we aren't connected to each other? If we aren't, if, if we don't like, for me, it's been so powerful to remind myself when I go into grief and sometimes into despair around this, that There are thousands, if not millions of other people on the planet who are Mm -hmm. doing whatever aspect of this work they're called to. I am not alone by such a long shot. And then to be personally connected to other people who are involved in this just gives me that sense of both hopefulness and also resilience in the connection and the care that mm-hmm. I I can go, I can go to this and cry. I can go to this and talk about the ecstatic connection to spring. I can go to this and say, I'm I'm feeling cynical and hopeless today. And have yeah. people hear that and not be freaked out by it. And say, yeah, I know. And here's what's giving me hope today. It's it's right. just so essential. I think we can't mm-hmm. We can't fight the things we need to change without connection to each other and care and love. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was getting... This uh, well, I've been a self-described independent personality disorder. <laughs> <I laughs> Mentioned before, personality yes. disorder. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the terror that yeah. um, it can be—just that being connected to others. Yeah, and how terrifying when you miss that so early, and that being that—that um, that thing that happens in this neglectful culture, you know. Yeah. And just I don't know. I got caught up a long time blaming my parents Mm -hmm. (laughs) and there is work to do there, but, um, God, that stopping blaming and saying, I'm, I'm just establishing, oh, I'm an unconnected person. Yeah. Yeah, And I get tired.
0: They didn't didn't invent it. Right. No, (laughs) they didn't invent disconnection. You know, and Uh we've talked about this, that, um, it felt like starting with, um, Alice Miller's book yeah um, remind me again the drama of the gifted child Yes. Yeah. that, that yeah. like the 80s and the 90s were like the blame parents era you know <laughs> of just every new age book was like your parents did this and then they did this and you probably have to hate them for this and um yeah they didn't invent they didn't invent and neglect
2: no okay. or a disconnection yeah. like it it's, right it's the endemic thing that that And for me, it's like, it's all so interconnected because it is the disconnection from our bodies that we learn. I think about the whole Mm -hmm. thing of, I think, therefore I am not, I have a body, therefore (laughs) I am, Mm -hmm. I feel, I experience, I love, therefore I am. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Western culture, people have been learning to disconnect from our bodies, from inter-reliance on each other, from the natural Mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. for so so long and so we we have so much reconnecting to do and I and I I so get it I I so learned to be self-reliant as a child and I was saying to somebody I I ran into one of the women that does the eco grief circles with me who I hadn't known before and she's an amazing powerful woman and um I ran into her somewhere and she said like a couple times just in the few minutes we were talking I'm so glad to see you Connie and I realized like I was shocked like Oh, I'm surprised what? when somebody is like, they really want it. They really, really, she wants to be connect. She, she's really trying to connect with me. Like what's the angle here? What do you want from
1: me? I, go. I, was do, I was doing some personal work around what it is to be in groups. And the first yeah. part that'll come up if I really check inside is like, what do you want from me? That's a protector. I guess I had to like develop to be like, these people want something. Well, they, yeah. Things that, I mean, I just, I, things that we didn't get in our families. Yeah. So it's, it's just that having those parts that are so suspicious. Um, yeah. Um, we need to do it. We're going to do an episode on cults too. Cause oh, I, yeah. like, yeah, like that of thing of like, yeah, yeah that's just that. Okay, but but yeah. you know
0: why I, I love, I'm so addicted to all things cult is that primitive part of my brain that loves to have an enemy. I yeah. love how in cults there's a bad guy It's yeah. and it's right. almost always a guy. But there's a bad guy, and like somehow we are hardwired because this has been written about, and you know research has been done that we love to have an enemy. Um, it's like maybe like just part of our animal nature, and so I'm just starting to notice that part of me because I, I love listening to cult books, audiobooks, love watching cult, you know The Vow, and it yeah. somehow it just feels I can't I don't yeah. I'm just noticing it, and I'm kind of. I I don't want to say I'm disgusted with myself. I'm just curious. And, you know, it just feels so good for there to be an enemy, you know?
1: Well, well, certainly that part I developed, you know, about what, um, what do you want from me? Like, I was like, look at those idiots joining that cult, trying to belong. Like what idiots didn't they know better than that? You know, then
2: I'm so curious curious about this, Alison, because something I've been like really noticing in myself is self-righteousness. And I wonder mm-hmm. if it's the same thing, like when I see somebody else who like, I pick up trash every day when I walk, it's just yeah. part of my sort of prayer to the natural world. And, and I would find myself thinking the same things repetitively. Who are these people who do this? What's oh, wrong yeah. with these people who are throwing yes. their trash out the window? Yes. And I finally realized, oh my gosh, I'm having this. Like this gives me this feeling of self-righteousness and better than that's, that's got that sort of sticky, addictive quality. I don't want to do this. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. (sighs)
0: Totally. I don't, I definitely think I'm the type of person who could and would join a cult. So I'm not judging (laughs) anyone. (laughs) Why not? You know, but, um, um, (laughs) they sound kind of fun, but, um,
1: yeah. Somebody tell me what to do. Yeah. So. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, but like, I just finished another audiobook about called winners take all the elite charade of changing the world uh, where phila- like philanthropy, as we know it is broken right. because, um, you know, a corporation will destroy the planet. Right. with all that they do. They'll extract all the resources. They won't pay their workers. They'll um, lobby uh, in DC so that um, workers' rights are very low. They break up unions. But then now with their big pot of money that they've hoarded because they've extracted all the resources, you know, from earth and people, then they go, oh my God, we're so generous. We're going right. to share some of this. right? And right. we're going to- not too much on of that. it. Yeah. yeah. And I just enjoyed the shit out of that book because again, I just think, It was like, oh, well, there's the enemy. Look how terrible those people are. And so maybe it is that
2: Mm -hmm.
0: like, I'm not terrible like they are, but it was such an addicting book to read. Like I finished it in like, you know, like in one go, like I, like, yeah, yeah. (sighs) Yeah.
2: Well, and don't you think too, it's like part of that is if there's an enemy and we can get rid of them or change them, then problem solved rather than. Rather, I mean, it's so clear to me that part of the reason there's so much climate denial is it's unbelievably overwhelming to face this, to recognize yeah. we have to change foundationally. I mean, my belief looking at this is this means if, if we're going to fix this, we have to change the way we're living. We can't, we can't use the amount of resource that we're using. We can't continue mm-hmm. to we, we can't have an endlessly expanding economy and, and have a planet that can support that. That's completely right. irrational. And right. so yeah. if we face this, we have to face, there's a lot of fundamental stuff about the way we've been living that really is not sustainable and doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And that's a big well, thing then how,
1: how do you, how would you, um, like, what's the wake up process around that? I mean, doing, you know, like, I think I don't know. What do you see that's happening that's waking people up to this? Just
2: well, the weather. I mean, yeah. look at storms, fires, mm-hmm. so many things are happening that are so intense and there's information coming out. And I think when it hits your town, it's a little bit mm-hmm. harder to stay in denial about it. I think even farmers are beginning to. I I read a book called I think Cataclysmic Planet. And he was looking at over time, all the ways that the life on the planet has expanded and contracted that there's been Mm. blossomings. And then there's, we're in the sixth mass extinction now. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the things he was saying was he, they they walked in a corn farm and the dirt is no longer soil. There's so much petroleum in it that it's not Mm. like dirt. And so then I heard on NPR one day they were at, somebody asked a farmer. So, so is the way that we're farming actually sustainable? And there was a long silent pause Mm -hmm. and he said, no, it's not. So, so what we're doing is insanity. And, Mm -hmm. and my feeling is part of what's happening that I think is profoundly helpful is we're beginning to see the interconnection of all the problems racism, sexism, xenophobia, religious oppression, oppression of indigenous peoples, oppression of animals, oppression of the planet, they're all the same problem. Right. And so, yes, that's completely overwhelming, but it's like, oh, so we have to sort of fundamentally change the way we're looking at everything else living around us and see the sacredness in every single thing And then this shift becomes in some way really simple.
1: So it's, it's, it's not as hard, just that Connie, It, it, it may not be as hard as we think it is. We, it's just, we're trying to make, it is very complex. Um, but this piece of like, so what is so what is this force that, um, doesn't want us to do this work doesn't want us to connect because there is i mean the how to not have this be this deep polarization we all get dragged into um that's like yeah such a, a big question, question. <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> it's big. huge big
1: yeah family. well and i wonder what it you know we are still people i keep you know we look at the big structure but it is still made up of people um I mean, I had this. um, I told Alison cho- about this, my chocolate paradox. That I had found these coupons that, and oh yeah, a while back at Oh Earth yeah, 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 yeah. Like because I was like, I'm so good. I share. I love people. <laughs> you know, self righteous and the other people, the greedy uh-huh. people. But I, I became a greedy people because I, I found these coupons. I found the loophole on the coupons, and I was able to hoard free chocolate. Like you could get five bars, and there was no limit on it, and I did it. <laughs> I'm a a chocoholic and the more I hoarded, you know, and I was like for free, I didn't work for that. I just found the loophole. It seemed like the more that I hoarded shit, I didn't actually work for, um, I stole, I was more greedy. We were going to Tom's, um, Uh. family for Thanksgiving and I couldn't, I was picking through it to only take the shitty chocolate. I didn't like, you know, right that's what I was willing to share. But as I saw masses build up, like, so this thing of, um, I don't know, we have to regulate ourselves. So I don't think we can trust ourselves. I don't think we can trust people. I think we have to regulate, you know? But, but um, don't
2: you think, and too, like if, if you're really living in community where you are mm-hmm. connected to the people who don't have how right. different it is, like, I think, I think there's such an addictive quality to all of that because we're one, we're trying to fill holes that would naturally and organically be fed by connection to the natural world, to other people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in those connections, I mean, like think of indigenous cultures where the giveaway is a huge ritual. It's a part of tradition. It's like, Mm -hmm. we understand that we need to keep, we need to keep giving back and, yeah. When you live in a capitalist society that tells you, oh, earning more and more and more means you're successful and smart, right. you're good, yeah. you're doing well, you're a good capitalist. Like, yeah. how hard is it then to say, actually, no, this is not good. And this is separating me. <laughs> this is this is not joyful. This is addictive. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Feels like we don't really know what joy is. Is in our culture. I don't know if that's a stretch. I, I have I, I really, I think have, you're trouble, right, I have yeah. trouble connecting to joy. And I know it's been especially hard for all of us with the pandemic. Yeah. It's life in general is yeah. probably like the least joyful it's ever been. So I want to acknowledge that. Yeah. But I, it just doesn't like, okay, I have an example. I want to say like, especially in the U S because I lived in Belgium and the Netherlands, um, right after college, I moved there for a year because I actually just wanted to experience what it was like to live in a more socialized government country. I just wanted to see if it felt different. It did,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, felt safer for sure. And, you know, like healthcare, just going to the doctor was amazing. Right. And, um, I, w- I like w- would travel around, you know, um, meeting different people on couch surfing, which was so fun. And there was this big festival happening in Bruges, that um, cool city in Belgium that has like, you know, fully Renaissance medieval buildings because it it was never destroyed by any wars. And they had transformed the whole city into a dance party, the whole entire city. So you could wander around the whole city. And every time you got to a plaza, um, there would be a different kind of music. So there was like salsa, there was EDM, there was... um, you know, just, I don't know, there were every little kind of music and dance that you could imagine, you know, different folk dances. And you could go and dance with a whole bunch of people and move along and the holes and open containers of alcohol, you know, people just hanging out, dancing, drinking, talking. And then in the morning, um, that you know, the, the government had, had cleaned everything up. So it was spotless. Wow. Like you could eat off the ground wow. because they had together created this society and this government that said, yeah, we want to have fun. We want to have joy. want to party and we want it to be clean and tidy. And we're going to pay for this, wow. you know, like we're going to pool together and we've decided that this is the culture that we want and we're paying for it.
1: This is important. Yeah. yeah but here people in, to play.
0: Yeah, yeah. in my hometown where I live now in San Luis Obispo, California, they used to have this really fun, like Mardi Gras parade where people would, you know, costumes, joy, fun parades. And everyone's just like, no, it's too loud. It's too rowdy. It's too yeah. messy. And right. it's it got canceled like 15 years ago. Right. We don't wow. get to have, we don't have parties. We don't have dance parties. We don't have, you know.
2: It's too messy. It's too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Right. Like, like it's too, it's yeah. too natural and unpredictable. Like right. I, I think you're right. And I think, like, I, I feel, I've said this so many times. I know that at a time in my early middle school, high school, when I was really depressed and really struggling, like what saved me was my connection to the natural world. We, my parents mm. moved me. Um, us out to this little small cabin in the woods outside a small town in Indiana. And I was living in the woods. And so I would just go out in the woods every day after school. And that kept my sense of wonder and joy alive. Mm -hmm. One of my Mm -hmm. peak memories of my life is there was this beautiful snowfall one night and I went out like it was dark, but you know how snow kind of glows, like the light is reflecting off of everything. And I remember just walking through that and feeling this unbelievable peace and joy and like those moments are so sustaining and i yeah. think we aren't like i know many many people who say the same thing like this these are these are the things that have sustained me that help my soul stay alive that you know help me stay a loving person etc cetera, etc cetera. but how many people don't have access to that mhm and don't have community. So what is there? Like, where do you get that sense of, oh my gosh, I can open every cell of my body to this Mm -hmm. experience and be fully here and feel alive and joyful and safe. This is what life is about. And if you don't ever have that experience, then, you know, alcohol and sugar and shopping and sex, mindless, yeah, bodiless, yeah. dis- yes. disconnected sex. Well, those are pretty good substitutes if you don't know what you're missing.
1: Right. Well, and that I mean just looking at just tr- our of tr- uh, the education that we value. Yeah. You know, you take all of those pieces out, um, for yeah. the most part. It's we were talking about this, I think just a bit ago, just watching um like my kid August go to school and he had been in a very outdoor preschool and they just had very few tool, you know, they used very few things. It wasn't a bunch of toys. It was like a real shovel, real knives, um, like Waldorf inspired and just how hard it was for him to even settle in what is sort of a, it's a um, charter school that prides itself on being pretty natural. I think they go outside a little bit more. They, they, combine it, but he still had to just, just sit (laughs) and they get like 30 minutes of outdoor time. Right. It just blew his mind. He was just like, what is this thing that you're like putting me into? And it was awful. I was like, did we take him out and just travel around the country? And (laughs) you know, but I mean, it's like, Oh, but you'll do this thing to yourself. It's so sanctioned by this society. Well, I guess I got to get on board. What's, you know, I can't have a freak show kid or whatever. Right. I, I want him to belong. So it's this thing of like, we've created this thing that we all have. Oh, that's interesting. like, all have to belong to. So, how do we? I think these things that you're creating, creation, what a creation care alliance. Mm-hmm.
0: But don't you think like, of belonging, rejecting yeah. the status quo is a privilege? Yeah. I mean, this mm-hmm. came up for yeah. me. So, I was an yeah. ecology major in my undergrad at Berkeley, and I had this environmental studies class where. She was talking about people who are dumpster divers and I wasn't able to relate to it at all because I, c- I can have this deep feeling of growing up poor and there was a real identity for my parents that they earned and bought something new. Yeah, They weren't going to take the free thing. We weren't going to go dumpster dive. We weren't going to go reject culture. Cause we hadn't really made it into the, we wanted to like buy our way into the culture. We right. couldn't reject it. And so, you know, sending your kid to like a fancy school that rejects culture that that's like a privilege where you uh-huh. felt like you were a member of the culture first before you could reject it.
1: Right. Yes. So but how for, do we interrupt this, like belonging who, who, uh, I don't know, interrupt this belonging path to whatever this is, but I, we all got to taste it first, those privileged, and then to say, no, that's not, I, I wonder about that, if that's what's in the way of partially of people rejecting stuff and things and status. Yeah. Does
2: that
1: make sense? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And and I mean, like all of the complexity of this, of sorting out what do different groups of people what has to be surrendered to, to move into the new culture and yes. they're really different things from different aspects. And somehow we've got to make that conversation safe enough mm-hmm. for everybody to participate in about what it, does this look like? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Things are, yeah, things are not, and I guess that's what I'm trying to say is like, people do not feel safe enough. People don't, people feel so disenfranchised from mainstream culture. There's no way you're going to get someone who's like barely paying their bills. They don't even, they don't even feel like they belong to regular (laughs) culture enough to be like, let me, let me commune with nature I mean, isn't that, isn't that by design though?
1: It's not by design. It's this thing that's gotten out of control. I mean, we are natural, we are this evolutionary species from uh, so long ago. So we, it's like, it's coming to this conclusion. Like, was it always
2: going this way? Does it have to get this loud to get our attention? Maybe, I don't know. (laughs) Right. And I think what you're saying is, you know, it's like, I don't think it's an accident that Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated shortly after he started the poor people's movement, Mm -hmm. like saying Mm -hmm. all of us who are being oppressed need to come together because Mm -hmm. the, and I don't, I don't believe it's a cabal. I don't think it's a circle of particular people, but the system as it is exists because there's oppression like right. I- if we yes. did something like universal basic income, I think that's such a fantastic idea where yeah. mm-hmm. everybody gets their basic needs met. Oh, then all of a sudden there's this energy, like people aren't trying, struggling to survive. How do you have energy to face into these things unless they are right in your face? If, if you don't have enough to eat, if you're struggling to house and feed your children, it's not. Yeah. That, it's yeah. not yeah. possible.
0: Yeah. So, and when you keep people in fear, exactly. you keep people just barely hanging yes. on for dear life. Yes. Then they can't really ha- have that cognitive waking up that we really need to transform. Yeah. Right.
1: What I, you tra- I'm trying to be hopeful, but I like the more we talk, I'm like, I think this is what happens, right? Like yes. you just like is how. <laughs> This is gonna happen, but it's overcoming that. Fear of Connie, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. But so you were kind of talking about the world, this kind of motion of coming in, maybe falling apart, coming back yep. together. Fall. Can you speak about that, maybe, and maybe like some hope that you have in terms of like maybe like cycles that we go through?
2: Yeah, and and I have to. I have to be honest, like I, one of, one of, you know, in our eco grief circles, we have an intro and then we have a circle on sorrow, anger, guilt, shame, despair, hopelessness um, and integration and despair and hopelessness is in there (laughs) because when you start facing into this, it is, Mm -hmm. you like you really have to reform your sense of what you're hoping for. Like right now, I think what a lot of people have been hoping for is, oh, we can just tweak some things and continue doing what we've been doing. And we'll right. just, you know, we'll just create these things that suck the CO2 out of the atmosphere and everything will be fine. But more and more as we see the linkage to no, no, this is really about how we're treating the world as if it's a thing that we can suck resources out of, and human beings as if they are things we can suck resources out of. And so, yeah, I think that kind of transformation requires that things have to start falling apart for us to say, oh, we're not going to be able to put a Band-Aid on this. We have to be, but think of how enormously creative and innovative and inventive human beings are. Yeah. We are amazing. And when we come together and really believe in what we're doing, I think there is an enormous amount of hope that we can figure out how to unite in a way that allows so much more complexity and nuance and innovation of thinking to happen. Like, uh, you know, the white supremacy idea would be somebody's going to come along and tell us all what we need to do. Some great right. leader is yeah. in it. Yeah. Show us so the we, way. It's going to be a
0: white
1: male. <laughs> yeah, come on hierarchy. Do your thing. Exactly. have been a slave to you hierarchy forever. So do the thing. Right? We just, like we're just, we're just wait here. Yeah.
2: But if that can't happen, then we sort of have to begin saying, oh, we need to start valuing indigenous wisdom. We need to start valuing, all the different cultural ways of seeing and understanding things and finding how, how, do we bring that together? For me, it's like, it's like moving from hierarchy, like you were saying, Anne, it's that moving from top to bottom to horizontal. Everything yeah. is sacred. Everyone is sacred. Everyone yeah. has something of value to contribute. How do we make the interconnections in the space for that to happen?
1: Right, right. Yeah, I was, um, something about that, just sort of like, you know, in the trauma world of like that bottom up processing and top yeah. down. So that bottom up sort of feels like really people doing, be growing their capacity to feel a lot yes. of grief. It's yes. very motivating. I know when I did, um, yes. but it's scary when you're in it, you know, I, when I, um, really, uh, some of the anti-racist work i read, um, God, I can't remember what book it but it just really laid out just horrors of, um, ha- uh, lynching. And I mean, just story after story. Um, I mean, it, it brought me to my knees in pain and I was out for like a year, I think, I mean, still showing up, trying to do the work, but this, this terror, this like, ha- just really feeling how awful, yes. um, humans can be, um, sort of bringing it, that's sort of the, the bottom up piece, but I've still, you know, the top down, Oh, I guess it's like local communities. Like, um, I mean, still regulate, I mean, coming out of a Trump era, um, which was total, like, I mean, just flagrantly saying, this is bullshit. What are y'all, you know, just making fun of it. But how many people glommed onto that and said, yeah, he's right. This is bullshit. We don't need to do this. It's the me and miners. you know, I'm here for me and mine. So that little individualist community that America's so fond of, you know, me and mine, I'm just taking care. So we got to make me and mine well, bigger.
0: But the book that I just was telling you all about, about Winners Take All, he has another perspective on it, which is that when you look at the history of policy in the United States, um, it was Clinton who opened our borders to globalization and disenfranchised um, American workers, basically. Okay. And he's saying that people chose Trump kind of, you know, was there some brainwashing happening? Yeah, you know, they sort of looked at him as this isn't someone who's an insider right. like Clinton or Hil- Hillary Clinton, right, right. who he's running against, right. who, um, who they're just crooked. They um, want to sell us out to China. Um, I-, I think they couldn't quite distinguish that Trump wasn't the solution, but he seemed like he's he's an outsider. He's not going to do what these politicians have always done, Um and so we can't just keep voting for politicians that, that sell our rights. And so that's a different, that was a different perspective that I really needed to hear that allows me to offer more compassion.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there's truth in that, right? Mm-hmm. There is truth mm-hmm. in that. Like mm-hmm. if we continue supporting the same systems. We're going to keep getting the same results.
0: And it's both. It's Democrats, it's Republicans. The system Mm -hmm. as a whole is broken. It's not serving any of us.
2: Right, 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 right. So I I just wanted to name because you were talking about grief, Anne. There's just for people who are listening, there's an amazing book called The Wild Edge of Sorrow by Frances Weller. yeah. Yeah. It's so powerful. And it's not just about climate change, but It's certainly, that's a large part of what he's talking about. And part of what's so sacred for me in that book is the recognition of grief as sacred and as part of love and as part of if you're connected. If you're really connected to life, grief is part of that. There's no avoiding Mm -hmm. that. And so how do we create spaces, rituals, communities where that's honored and where we can do that work so that we can let our hearts break open and get larger and find larger solutions because as long as we're sort of staying in control and in our minds as long as we sort of feel like okay we can figure this out I think our solutions remain really small right and for me what's been I don't want to feel anything yes yes and for me what's been so powerful about hopelessness is as i let go of hope for these sort of simple solutions as i let go of hope that oh we're gonna we're gonna do this in time to stop sea level from rising too much or you know we won't have too much refugee crisis if we address it by now and as each of those sort of passes i have to expand my sense of hope to a larger perspective have to really look at, okay, we may lose many, many things. What's meaningful enough that I can keep going through this, that I can keep that, that I love this enough, even though my heart is breaking to keep walking this path. And in my experiences, when I get to that place, I feel unstoppable. I feel mm. like it, it doesn't matter what you do to me. This is what in every fiber of my being I believe is is right, is in divine order, is my contribution, is what I'm called to. And you can take away everything from me, but I'm not stepping from that path because this is my soul. And -hmm. and we've lost so much connection to that. Again, like the culture we're living in that tells us what's important is have another car, you know, get a bigger house look good. Mm -hmm. As long as your vacations on Facebook look really, really good. You're successful. (laughs) It doesn't matter if you didn't even have that frigging vacation, it can be fake, but as long as you're looking good, that's what matters. Who who wants to
1: hear the sad stuff, Connie? (laughs) Nobody's like, Oh, she's always talking sad stuff. And I, I, having also entered into grief spaces, um, just for those listening out there, like somebody who came from a neglectful childhood that was spawned by a neglectful culture. Um, I really got, it wasn't safe to feel yes. or cry, you know, cause the crying, the whole cry it out movement. Yeah. Like I am so interested in the, 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 what we've done to make people frozen, yes. just that cry it out, um, piece, especially from the seventies was, um, what I learned, my body learned was do not cry or do not feel, or do not let anybody know that you're in pain about something because no one's coming, you know, no one's coming. So that, that sort of message, um, plugs right into the, um, uh, effectiveness doing, uh, you know, just you're, you're recognized for who you do, what you do, but there's no, like, how do you make money out of grief, Connie? Like, how am I going to monetize that? <laughs> like, right. You know? I mean, it's like, well, what, why, what are you doing? when you grieve, you know, mm, just kind of opening up, you know, yes. and there's something, another piece I read too, is that grief and grace, like ride side by side, you know, it's really hard to be in places of grace. Um, if you're not able to go deep into grief, um, but it's a, scary, it's a scary road into grief. I mean, every fiber of your being, um, many of us are yeah. saying, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm,
2: mm And again, yeah. it, like, just the feedback loop of that, we're yeah. so afraid of it because we didn't have the experience of children, as children, of, of being able to like, really feel it deeply and have parents who could hold that and be right with yeah. us and be present, and know that we're going to come through that, and it's okay. We didn't get to watch them go through that, and come Mm -hmm. through it with grace, Yeah, finding grace from it, which we do, and so absolutely, and then when we don't have that, we're terrified of it, and when we're terrified of it, we go the other direction, so... Yeah. 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 That method
1: too, of, um, that I find in my practice often with people are, um, you know, they were like, well, no, the happy child, we just want you to be happy. We just want you to be happy. And it's really good intentions on the part of the parents, like don't cry here. Let's go do something. Let me buy you something. So it's like
0: that immediate. Yeah. The ice cream cream. cream parenting is real. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I have to say, though, just because we spend so much time kind of focusing on the negatives of parenting of what you just said, Connie, about getting to watch our parents grieve or not. I had the great gift of getting to watch my parents grieve and heal, Mm -hmm. um, which I think um, was an option. You know, I was born in the 80s and my parents found therapy once they got divorced. I was seven when they both started therapy and their parenting changed so much once Mm -hmm. they discovered my dad said you know therapy taught me how to love for the first time of my life you know that's it had to teach me that
1: yeah yeah
0: and yeah. um we felt that yeah. and that's been this touchstone for me i can come back to watching them feel feelings
2: yes.
0: especially their humility their humility is very inspiring they will always say i i fucked up i did this wrong i learned how to do it better i didn't know
2: yeah
0: and yeah it's been, it's been such a gift.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And so weird. I just wanted to honor that, you know, wasn't all, wasn't all neglect. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I got the, the You, 80s, you 80s
2: children. Yeah. 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 And, and the, you know, like I got from my father loved the natural world. He was a birder And he, you know, I mean, it would drive me crazy as a kid to walk through the woods with him because he'd have this book of ferns and he'd be identifying which fern we were looking at or which bird was that calling or what kind of tree was that? And I, you know, at the time it was like, could we just take a walk? And now I look back and think, oh, my God, no wonder all my sisters and I have such an appreciation because he gave us that and he Mm -hmm. was able To listen to me and be curious about me as I got older, as I came to be an adult, he really wanted to know what I thought about things. That was a huge gift. So absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think it's important for us to, to recognize the gifts along with, and, and I know, I know both of my parents, if they had had the capacity, like if they had understood or known what it meant to feel, of course they would have done that. Of course yeah. they would have done that. They yeah. just they grew up in even more rigid families than ours. And they didn't, you know, my mother's mother was German and you'd around her, you just did not do anything. <laughs> yeah. What yep. was expected. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm kind of thinking like, you know, what was um both my parents grew up in the poor, 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 poor Alabama, no, no running water, no um, for uh, indoor plumbing, um, no electricity. Even though like the TBA, the, the electricity wires were being right over their houses, but it wasn't wow. for them. You know, it was for the cities or. Um, but just how much I think they, they did spend so much time outdoor. They did subsistence farming mm-hmm. and what they gave to us was like, that's the bullshit life that is like hard mm-hmm. and hot and poor. And it was very much inside. No, we're not. Why would we, why would we spend a lot of time outside? It's like, uh, it wasn't a nice. Yeah. that And we lived, you know, I grew up in Spartanburg and I'm I hike all around Western and it's only an hour down the road. I'm like, I grew up an hour from here, and I've never been hiking around here. Because it was
0: a rite of passage for them to it. reject yeah. the land, right? Yes, right. a land and to That was oppre- oppression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He it's, didn't like
1: anything homemade: baloney, white yeah. bread. Really? Yeah, I mean the the we all, processed just, the better. <laughs> I know. I know exactly. It was like you were moving up. I guess that was some of that. Um, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, that there's, it is that piece of, you've got to ascend. You've got to acquire more. You've got to have more luxuries. You've got to, um, rather than the gift of, um, I think it'd be a gift to, you know, August, my kid will eat vegetables. He grows, Uh not ones that come from the store, but he will flat out take leaves out of the, you know, off a shard plant be like, yeah, we grew this, eat this, eat this. But if, you know, it came, if it's shard from the store, it's not happening. <laughs> it's
0: trusting. <laughs> he
1: had nothing to do with it, so he doesn't trust he doesn't it. Like, have a relationship it. Yeah.
0: it right? He doesn't have a relationship with it. He doesn't have a relationship with it. Yeah. 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 That's
2: amazing. Um,
0: so yeah. we, we'll start to r- wrap up. And so, Connie, um, if you have any concluding thoughts you'd like to add, you know, so, or anything else we didn't get to,
2: can I read a poem? Yes, I oh, love poetry. Yes. yes, she does. This, this is a poem from All We Can Save, which is a book about the climate crisis. And this is from, it's called The Unbroken from Rashani Ray. There is a brokenness out of which comes the unbroken, a shatteredness out of which blooms the unshatterable. There is a sorrow beyond all grief, which leads to joy and a fragility out of whose depths emerges strength. There is a hollow space too vast for words through which we pass with each loss, out of whose darkness we are sanctified into being. There is a cry deeper than all sound whose serrated edges cut the heart as we break open to the place inside which is unbreakable and whole while learning to sing. <sighs> Thank God us for poetry.
1: <laughs> Thank God us for poetry. I know. that's what I. I think I think it is. Um, I see it as a. It is love calling out to us. You know, like yeah. poetry, arts, and it's so interesting that that's what gets squashed, like yeah, in schools and. Um, lesser is, right. is somehow lesser, you it's know. Oh, the artist you're not gonna make any money as an <laughs> artist, you know. Oh, why would you do that? Be a doctor, or whatever just that. Um yeah. but it's essential. Like I don't think we can't solve this or we can't move into this without. Yeah. um, Voices of love. To bring
0: it full circle, though, what I was talking about with Belgium, I can remember visiting this rooftop garden where they were creating all this really gorgeous art. I think it was like honeycomb art, you know, like they had bees and they had a garden. And I was like, how do you make money? And they're like, oh, the Belgian government pays us they want art to exist. And so they just, they do that that in Canada.
1: There, a certain amount has to go to artists. Like they, I want to live in that
0: world. I want that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But it's always like public. uh, Yeah. All that's under threat constantly. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah.
2: Well, I want to say, thank you so much for having me here. I love that Mm. you all are doing this and having these conversations from this place that and get yes. people to be connected and heard and thank you thank you. Oh,
1: thank uh, thanks for too. spending
2: time with us. Yeah. Um, um,
0: I feel better. <laughs> 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 it's so funny because you, you know you talked a lot about how many problems there are but somehow coming back into the body and what I can feel from you is that you're very present. You've worked mm-hmm. hard on that. And you've worked hard on cultivating that for yourself and others. Yes. But there's such richness in there like that's almost like where the hope is that yes. if we can mm-hmm. return to that place yes. yeah we, we're stronger oh so allison
2: just, so well <laughs> said thank you <laughs> i
0: just want to say thank you, from, you yeah. know, reminding me and our listeners about yeah. that that source of hope um so thank you so 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 much and mm-hmm. where can people connect with you in your work
2: um, they can email me at connieaburns at gmail.com. I don't have a website, but I'm thinking about creating one soon because it's time. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and if anybody is interested in the eco grief circles, which are still happening online, and you can go to the creation website and look for eco grief circles. And those are, are this
1: happening all over the world or all over the U S so they sort of starting here, here is
2: sort of started here, but in our last two yeah. circles, we had someone from England and someone from the Netherlands. So it's oh, growing. Wow. So
0: great. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. All exactly. right. So thank you so much, Connie. Thanks. Great to meet you. Allison. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Nice to meet you.
1: Bye Connie. Bye.
0: So just some final, some final thought. you know, to closing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yep. Um, what
1: are, What are your final thoughts? I love. Well I, how, just, well, I loved how you felt hope from that. Just that little bit of connection that we did. I think that's exactly it. Or, she
0: touched on that. You know, despair and hopelessness. I mean, that's like I've never known anything else. I've mm-hmm. never known anything else. I. So despair, why would you want to go into it? Right. Well, on some level. It just felt really nice to have her acknowledge it. Yeah it, I felt seen, you know, I, it really, it's interesting because my own healing journey, like I have, like I said, in this episode was first, I needed to blame my parents. First, I need to point the finger at them and be like, you did this to me. You made me feel despair. You made right. me feel hopeless because you didn't do this and you didn't do this. Right. So maybe some of that is true, whatever, but they didn't invent despair, and neglect, just like I said, and right. the, and the real culprit. Cause when you look at the greater trends as a whole, you know, um, deaths of despair at an all time high, right? Addiction, suicide, alcoholism, Mm -hmm. um, the opioid epidemic, you know, I have lost so many people my age to Mm -hmm. suicide or drug addiction or both. And we're looking at some pretty massive trends of hopelessness and despair that have nothing to do with my parents did this, this or that. Right. Right. We're looking at a massive, huge trend of if you're a millennial and you were born, you know, while Reagan was like reconstructing American culture so that, you know, trickle down people at the top, get all the wealth and we get nothing, you know, and then we had the great recession. Now we have the pandemic, you know, we're like the birth, we're not having kids. We don't have families. We can't afford to buy a home. It's like, why would I not feel despair?
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And so you can't, I mean, you have to keep following it past your parents, right? Yes. I mean, if you keep digging and you keep, I think that it it does, um, take you through that and that informs you and your circle, t- uh, gets larger. So you got to stay in there, you know, you can't just stop. And, and it's, um, because it does lead you once I felt, uh, my healing journey, got me to enough capacity that led me into there was like a, this natural lead into um uh anti-racist work I was yes, like I can't exactly. stop you know so I, I guess people just I mean do your own work but it's it's this sort of you got to do both at this point you know all um, all, all, all
0: <laughs> and grief yeah. roads in the United States come back to racism all of it
1: yeah yeah
0: if it weren't for the massive, massive genocide of native Americans and African people at the very origins of our country, Mm -hmm. we just wouldn't have the U S that's really causing so much despair today. All, all, all the roads lead back there.
1: Yep. 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 So, and, and so I guess, you know, this thing of like, you cannot do grief by yourself. I mean, the, in the healing work, I mean, what a lot of people learn, and that's exactly what Connie said, like, you must get with other people. So you have to fight against that American individualism and being okay and get curious. Why can't I feel anything? I mean, this is, I mean, I, that was the piece for me too, around doing parent work. It's like, I was not feeling grief when my father passed away or my brother passed away. And that was a sign to me. I was like, What is up with me? Like, why am I so cut off? You know, and Mm -hmm, so to stay mm -hmm. with that curiosity, there's nothing wrong with you. Something happened to you to say, don't feel anything. And you have to, I mean, we have to be led by our feelings and they're messy and they don't fit always. And it's like, if you've been somebody who's been very depressed, I can imagine you not wanting to, you know, no, 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 no. I got to do those steps that keep me out of this feeling. But I really think all of that is, is, is the universe or climate, uh, the crisis or the natural world talking to us, this disconnection, you know, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you so, work? <laughs> <laughs> do your work, people. We got you. We got you. We're gonna be here, reminding you. It's not all you at all.
0: It's not. Yeah, no. and yeah, it's nothing's to wrong be, with you. It's allowed yep. to be messy. I know. I have this book right here called um, "The Crying Book." Just oh, look at all those
1: tears. I all about.
0: It how wonderful yeah. and beautiful and amazing crying is. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, the thing that's so scary is to let, to trust that others will hold you while you grieve and not everybody's grieving at the same time. It's like you, you really experiencing being held or it's a sign I'm lost, you know, I'm, I need help. Um, and it's been hard to trust that for all the ways that this culture has told us don't trust that the way we grew up. Um, so it is a process of like, you're really going to have to lean into it because you will burn yourself out. You'll get rigid. You'll get hateful. If you feel these feelings that weren't met when you were a kid, you will not, you will not survive in this work. And we need you. We need every single person to start doing, doing, feeling something, doing this from places of love and trusting, um, it is an act of love. And I don't know why. It really is baffling to me. Like, uh, I don't know, as a self-described hater for much of my life <laughs> and being very curious about that, that like, why do I waste all this time on hating people and othering people? Like, where'd I get that from? You know, but it's like that You've icky feeling in. that, yeah, I have discovered like, I'm like, Ooh, love is so gross. You know, it's so gross to care and be in community. Ugh people, people are going to, that was
0: your adaptation.
1: That was an adaptation. It's not the it love is not the ick. It's the fear of loving is an ick. So love is, I promise you (laughs) move through the ick and try to um, you are just going to have to trust it, that people um, uh, don't want to dominate us. I mean, that's, what's actually happening. So to be in community and not have it hierarchical, like we are the committee, right um, Rob Bell said that he has a whole episode on that. Um, that like this whole thing that we're like, somebody has got to do something. We do Who's going to do something, you know, who's going to do. It? And he's like, you, you're the committee. There's no committee. There's no committee, but you, you are it. Yeah. Yeah. So those are right. some thoughts on it. Yeah.
0: Thank you for inviting Connie. She's such a gift. Holy She's crap.
1: Total gift. Y'all, y'all Damn. let's all,
0: let's all get on that care
1: creation care alliance. Okay. Creation okay. care alliance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. the pandemic
0: has made it easy for us to
1: zoom with each other. So you can attend all kinds of stuff, but don't do too much.
0: I know. Find I know. I gotta to go do. out yeah. in nature, like immediately.
1: Yes, I am definitely going out in nature today yeah.
0: for yeah. sure. And so everybody do that. All right. All right. Love you, Ann. Love you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. to Latchkey Urchins and Friends. You can find show notes for this episode at Latchkeyurchins.com. Thank you so much for sharing this episode with whoever you think would enjoy it. That really does make a difference to us. Thank you for following us on social media. We have an Instagram, Latchkeyurchins. And um, thank you so much. The song at the opening and closing credits is One Cloud is Lonely by Proxima Parada.